Shut up and sit down. Hey, and welcome to the Frey MMA podcast, where it doesn't matter if you're a casual fan or a championship fighter. Join us in our discussion about the beautiful sport, which is mixed martial arts. Hey guys, and on today's episode of the Frey MMA podcast, I am joined by two of Sweden's elite MMA referees, where we talk about the rule set and especially this COVID situation, where it's been different for MMA officials to actually score the fight. You'll see why it's very soon. So I'd like to introduce Matthias Hurdin and Raven Saber. So I'm here with two of the best Swedish MMA referees. And you're on set in Bahrain at the moment. How, how's it going there, guys? Everything's good, man. We're, we're, living, uh, we're living large. Uh, enjoying the weather. Enjoying the people of Brave. And all the... The whole circus around uh, the events and everything, you know. Yeah. Yeah, especially with the Corona times as well. It must be a bit strange uh, for you guys and the fighters and and everyone really. How how's it been with the preparations with with the whole Corona testing and everything? Well, we we got we got to do the test like uh, two days before each event mm-hmm. um, to see that everything's cool. Nobody got nobody got any positive test so we got to do each test uh before every event so we're heading in for our third event for this trip and uh, tomorrow actually tuesday we're doing our third test Mm -hmm. so i'll give you both a bit in the spotlight uh raven and, and matthias so how did each one of you start on this journey as mma officials uh, we'll, we'll start with Matthias first. Yeah, I started, uh, I don't know if it was 2016, I think, or 15. I started do. I did the, um, the certification course in uh, our Swedish Federation, SMUF. Hmm. And I started with a, a B class, as it was called, uh, and um, moved forward to the A class. And after that, uh, I was um, offering to do the IMF course with Mark Goddard. So me and Rebin uh, did the course in uh, Poland together. And after that, we have been doing some uh, some events together in around the world, both Europeans and and worlds and other events. So now we ending up here in uh, Brave Bahrain. Sounds decent. And uh, yourself, Raven? Yeah, so actually, I, my interest for MMA started way, way back in 93. Yeah. And uh, the first thing I thought when I saw the first show was, man, I want to be a fighter too. But then I realized, man, they're kicking the... Yeah, they're kicking each other's ass. <laughs> you can swear it's so, fine. Uh, oh, all right, all right. So they were kicking the living dog shit out of each other. And I'm not... I'm not trying to get hurt. <laughs> so uh, back in 2010, I think it was, uh, I was sitting and contemplating on how to, I wanted to see fights, you know, but I was a student back then. And uh, you know how, how it is being a student, you don't have that much money. So um, I didn't want to pay for tickets actually. 
So I was thinking to myself, like, how can I get in? How can I get the best seats in the house, but without paying for the tickets, right? So I got in contact with uh, Svenska Budo Kampsportsförbundet. I worked as an intern with uh, Jonathan Broberg, and he actually uh, hooked me up with this uh, uh, refing and judging course down in Malmö. Uh, and this was way, way back in 2010. So I just jumped on the train and uh, it just been, you know, slowly but surely progressing to a higher level from going from B class to A class, uh, getting my IMF certification, getting my pro license and um, just, you know, keep on going and just doing what you love and uh, try to become a better ref than, you, than I was yesterday. Yeah, and I really like the system that Sweden has put out with the referee courses from going from amateurs, uh, B-class, like you are saying, to A-class and then professionals. I'm not sure how it is in, in the US if they have the same kind of structure or something like that. But it's good for us fight fans to know how referees are educated in, in this way. Yeah, you know, so the way that we have it in Sweden is... Uh, like you said, we go into the B class first. Uh, you got to show that you're able to um, to learn and get better, right? So after a couple of, well, more than a couple of fights in B, uh, you step up to A class. Then you still got to perform. You still got to show that you're uh, that you want to do this and that you're able to progress uh, from A class. Uh, it's quite it's quite a leap going from A class to pro, uh, but you know if you show that you're that you're willing to learn, right? Uh, that you're willing to uh, do the sacrifices. Like you know, a lot of people don't understand. There's a lot of sacrificing. Uh, we're, we're we're always in in the spotlight in the cage. You know, we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. Show me one referee who says they never made a mistake, and I'll show you a liar. Uh, you know, we, we've all made mistakes, and it's 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 something. It's part of the game. Uh, but it's from the mistakes that we grow, that we learn and become better. And we have. Uh been on this journey together for a long time you know we have uh, been in every small um, events. Uh, events in whole in the... yeah so so Matthias is what he's trying to say what <laughs> sure. I believe is that me and Matthias <laughs> me and Matthias has been in uh, the smallest shows in the smallest cities in the smallest villages you know we've been uh, We've been in places where they don't even have a, they don't have anybody, you know. I've, I remember that, I've, uh, that while I was refing, I was also inspecting. I was also doing uh, some sort of supervising. I was also helping the judges. I was, uh, I was the grease boy, you know, we'd done it all. And coming from these small, small shows with like, 20, 30 people going into like the big shows, you know, having 20, 30, 40,000 people screaming, trying to rip your head off, 
because uh, their their fighter, their favorite fighter, didn't win the fight or whatever it was. It's an amazing journey, and you know, having him with me, it's like, it, it, you know, it's like a confidant. You know, you have somebody with you, somebody who knows how it is. Because, mm-hmm. like I said previously, you know, a lot of people, a lot of so-called fight fans, and especially these so-called fight experts, who's uh, who's self-proclaimed experts. You know, they don't have a single clue how it is. They don't know what happens. They don't know uh, how it is. And having a brother in arms, you know, sharing these moments, sharing the ups and downs with you, it means a lot, you know. So So we come from, like, real humble beginnings, you know, where we... We didn't, we didn't, we didn't even know what to do from the beginning, you know, and going into the big shows, uh, getting a lot of attention and stuff like that. It's, it's quite a journey. It's, it takes a while, you know. Not everybody can do that. Everybody's a pro referee when they're in home, when they're at on their couch, sitting eating chips and talking shit with their friends. Everybody is an expert. Well, I, I just want to thank you for for coming on as well because. My goal when I first started doing this a whole podcast and, and the free MMA thing in a whole is to learn more about the sport that we follow. I mean, I know it's difficult for people to be watching the sport. I mean, I, I've been watching the sport for a long time and I do emphasize with everybody in that arena, should I say, from from the cut man who has a very difficult job to the ref, which, as you say, everyone's eyes are on at every second and... Sometimes it's your decision to stop a fight and sometimes it's your decision to leave a fight go. So I'm hoping that our viewers will learn a bit from this experience of of you guys talking and telling us that, you know, it is not that simple. And and like you're saying, you need very tough skin to be a referee at the moment. Um, Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy having, having, the comfort of your own home and your friends uh, watching a fight from like 10 different camera angles. It's real easy to talk a lot of shit and, and, replay. and replay the fight, you know, uh, get the slow, slow-mo replays. But, you know, in the actual life, there, there aren't that many slow-mo replays, you know. Uh, we, have to, we have to make a split decision. We have to, like on the second, we have to make a judgment call. And it's not like any other sport where we can go back and look at the replay and see, oh, did I do? Did I make the right call or did I make the wrong call? Once you've done it, once you've done it, it's done. Yeah, and sometimes when I'm a referee, they ask me, who do you think won the fight? You know, but I always tell them that uh, I don't know because I look with the different eyes. When I'm a ref, I look with the different eyes. Than I'm when I'm a judge, you know. So, you it's where you standing from that point. You always look uh, on with different eyes uh, on the fight, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, we when we're in the cage refing a fight, our main concern is safety uh, safety for the fighters mm. and following the rules. It's not about who made the flashiest kick or who do you think won the fight. I'm I'm not sure who won the fight. Like I'm there to protect the fighters. I'm there to make sure that they follow the rules, and um, you know, that's that's just how it is. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like you're watching the fighters. You're not watching the fight itself. 
you're watching kind of yeah. what they're doing um so as also fans of the sport do you sometimes go back and watch events just to watch them like you know how, how did this person get this decision and do you also watch back your own matches to feel like did i miss things and, and things like that definitely, definitely. Uh, i i believe that uh, one of the ways of growing in this sport as a referee or a judge is to go back and watch what happened what actually happened how can i improve myself for the next time you know a lot of a lot of the stuff that we do we have to like for me for instance i um i look at what was the angles what angles did i have who what fighter was i actually looking at was i looking at the fighter who threw the punch or was i looking at the fighter who ate the punch uh, was i in the right uh, angle uh, did i actually see what happened and if not where do i have to stay stand next time where, how do I have to move? How do I have to look at things? It's not just about, you know, uh, standing there in the moment and hoping to see something. You know, you you have to go back to evolve. Yeah. And it's the same way that one fighter, if he says that he's the best fighter in the world, it's, it's a self-proclaimed thing. I'm, I'm assuming there are also referees that does that I like that saying that they're the best referee in the world and and they don't do anything <laughs> wrong. But it's it's great to oh, hear yeah. that, uh, you know, everyone's always learning part by part kind of thing. But, you know, th that's You're the thing. You're always learning, you know, always learning. Th and that's the thing, you know, going on with I'm the best referee in the world, I'm this, I'm that, I'm king shit of the hill, you know, come on now. If you go like that, you know, your days are numbered. You just don't know it. You can never, if, you, if you're done, if you feel that you don't have anything else to learn, you're done. You're done. Because we always have something more to learn. I'm not claiming I'm perfect in any way. And I know my brother here isn't claiming anything, anything less. He's not claiming he's the best in the world either. You know, we're trying to learn. We're trying to see what, where did I go wrong? What can I do next time so this doesn't happen again? And uh, we got a lot of people, inflated egos going around. Um, but it's the way it is, you know. We all work in different ways. And we all aspire to evolve in different ways. And I think with both of us, we aspire to be, become better by checking ourselves and checking each other for our mistakes. So we always talk to each other after a fight or after an event, we get together, you know, and speak to each other. What can we do? Did, did I do something wrong or what can we do better? You know, we always have a discussion after the fights. And it's not about, you know, trying to step on the other guy. You know, if I tell Matthias or he tells me that I did something wrong, I don't feel that he's stepping on me or trying to put me down. It's about, you know, he might have seen something that I didn't see, right? So why would I go against that? Why would I uh, try to, uh, you know, argue with him or get into a, a big beef with him? You know, it's about different perspectives. That's why we got three judges, right? These three judges sit in three different sides of the cage. Why? Because they have different angles. That's why the different angles decides, like, 
he might see something that I don't see. I might see something that he don't see. And we have to help each other. You know, we have to work as a team. That's the most important thing, I believe, as officials, not only in Sweden, but the entire world. We need to help each other grow, you know, for the sake of the sport. We all do this, well, not all of us, but most of us do this for the sport. We don't do this to get attention. We don't do, like, I'm not working my butt off for eight straight weeks, getting kicked in the head and punched in the face like these fighters. So all the spotlight, all the attention should go to the fighters. They deserve the spotlight. They deserve the attention. Me as a referee, I'm nobody. I'm just somebody who's there to make sure that they follow the rules and nobody gets hurt. That's my only job. I don't want the attention. That's not why we I that's not why we do it. We love this sport and we want to see it grow. Yeah, I think I did have a discussion with some friends that we say that the best kind of referees you don't notice is in the octagon, you know. Of course, if you keep an eye on him, he's always moving to see the best position and everything, but it's never one that gets in front of, of, of anything that doesn't need to be kind of thing. Exactly. You know, uh, raising your voice and talking a lot, you know, trying to show off for the camera, doing all all kind of hand gestures when the camera calls your name and I don't know, all that crap. It's, come on now. Like, why are you doing this? Are you doing this for yourself? Or are you doing this for the sport? You know, and you have to ask yourself that. And if the, if the answer is I'm doing this for myself, well, maybe you should be in a in a soap opera, Big Brother, or something like that. You know, we we do, we do this to evolve the game, not anything else. You know. Uh, so we were talking about learning a lot. Uh, I know you can't really speak for the whole world, but you can maybe speak about the the Swedish system. How can us as fans learn more about the ruling, the refing, the judging of MMA fights? Where where can we find this information? Where can we learn ourselves? Yeah, that in, in uh, our uh, Swedish <laughs> Federation's website, smuff.se. Uh, uh, there you have all the rules and the regulations for every, both A class, B class, and pros and Swedish pros. So you can read them there. And you know what? I I actually encourage the fans who are at the venue. Hey man, approach me, talk to me. Yeah. You know, don't listen to these so-called experts who who are clickbait hunter, troll hunters. You know, don't listen to them. There, it's all about getting clicks, you know, approach me, ask me, you know, we're, we're a regular couple, couple of guys, you know, we're more we're, than willing to uh, answer questions about yeah. rules and everything about that. You know, we're, we're, we're just like anybody else, right? So the only difference is we do something that they might not do. And if you got any questions, just approach us. If you don't want to go into, into a smart from Tessier, approach us, talk to us during the events. Like, I have a lot of fighters, a lot of coaches, and the diehard fans who are coaches, but they are not the people who talk shit on, on, the, on social media. Usually, the, the people who talk shit is the ones who's never been on a mat. They've never been in a cage. Uh, and they definitely don't, don't know the rules. Exactly. They believe that, I read somewhere that one, jur one so-called journalist was talking about, 
me and the entire media core was press corps was screaming for the ref to stop the fight but he didn't want to stop the fight like bro you're a press who gives a damn what you're screaming for you don't know the rules are you actually telling me that i should listen to the press or some fan out in the stands screaming to stop the fight these a lot of these guys and girls have been working and working and pushing themselves and me jumping in and stopping a fight just because you as press or fan is sitting on the outside thinking oh this looks too scary for me i'm not doing my job if i do that i'm looking for what's actually happening what 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 does happen in in this fight i'm not listening to the fans i'm not listening to the press that's not my job and you spoke and, sorry go on continue no i'm done okay uh you spoke about it a bit there and and there has been a lot of stuff in the media including uh dan hardy who is commentating on a fight that shouted out to the referee to stop the fight uh would you say during this corona time where we have a lot of empty arenas that this can this kind of stuff can be affecting the referee a bit more because I guess now that we have quiet arenas, you can hear the referee, you can hear his calls, you can hear the people around the sides shouting to stop things. Whereas compared yeah. to um, an arena full of people, maybe like the camera and the TV and the commentators don't hear that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? So do, do you feel like Definitely, the Corona yeah. thing has changed things for you guys? Definitely. Like, uh, like I'm not rooting for Corona in any way, but this Corona thing has actually like you, you can actually do your job better without a lot of people there, you know, uh, for the commentators screaming and, you know, the commentators should do commentating, not anything else. And the problem is that a lot of people watch this fight. The first thing they hear is the commentator. When the commentator is screaming, oh, my God, the ref did a horrible job. Most, like 95% of the people believe that because they believe that the commentators are some kind of experts in the, in the rules. I mean, like the commentators are sitting outside of the cage. They, they, they don't see what I see. And for them to scream out what they believe is right, it, it doesn't make any sense. And. Honestly, I don't give a damn about it either because that's their opinion about stuff. That's the same thing with the fans, you know. When you're a referee, you can hear the fans screaming outside the cage uh, if uh, they thought uh, one fighter hit uh, another one. But I, as a referee in, uh, who stands one or two meters from them, I can clearly see that oh, no, that punch didn't get in, really impacted. But the audience all around goes like, wow, wow, wow. So um, I, I don't understand what you mean. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, as well, uh, I, I saw that Dan Hardy, because a lot of this was about Dan Hardy and Herb Dean during this scenario, at least. He was saying that referees should count for more or be uh, more accountable of their actions. But from the referee side, of like what you're saying, it shouldn't be a thing of referees should be coming out and saying their name and saying why they have done things because under everything well, they're doing their own job. So what's your thoughts of that? 
Well, you know, actually, I, I believe that us as referees and judges, we should be uh, be able to explain why we did a certain, uh, why we called it a certain way, or whatever it might be. I actually believe it, that's a good thing. Yeah. But you know, we we're not accountable. We shouldn't be held accountable because some commentator or, or some media press guy thinks something. It, it's their opinion. Their opinion in the matter is irrelevant. We're not talking about opinions. You know, I can love a fighter or I can hate a fighter. It doesn't matter. My opinion isn't what's what's uh, what weighs the most. I should just follow the rules. Make sure that they follow the rules. Make sure that if somebody is knocked out or somebody is, is, uh, submits somebody or whatever it is, a low blow, a foul, whatever it is, I should just make sure to follow the rules and make sure that everybody is following the rules. That's my job, you know. And you know, I don't want to name, I don't want to talk about uh, Dan Hardy per se, but uh, I, I want to say this though. I really loved the fact that Dana White came out and stood up for us officials. Like it almost brought a tear to my eye. Like I really, really appreciated that. Like it meant the world to me, you know, because it's not your job as a commentator. It's not your job. I can understand fans screaming because they're fans, you know, fans are the way they are. Uh, but as a commentator, especially if you've been in this game before, you should you should know that you know this isn't an easy job. You know it's not. We get when we do something good, nobody talks about it. When we do something bad, everybody takes the shit on us. That's just how it is. Yeah, I don't think I remember any MMA headline saying that the referee done a good job kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm pretty sure that Dana White will be pleased that he got the Sabres uh, approval on on his comment there so that sounds great um, Definitely. but a, a few things that I'm sure even some fighters are not really understandable of because when I read these kind of things and when I see these kind of things I'm always a bit on the edge of, of it as well so could you explain to us verbal taps for example Verbal taps, because some things, you know, if someone bends your arm in a certain way, you may let out some sort of aggravation from your mouth, but still be in control. So when does a referee know when to step in with that kind of thing? Well, let's say I'm going in for an armbar, right? And, and you can hear me growl. It's okay. You can growl because I'm, I'm trying to force it in, right? Or I'm trying to pull, pull my arm out. It's a growl. It's a, it's a way of, uh, you know, like when you're lifting weights, you're just trying, you just make a growl. You make a noise, right? But when you start screaming out of your top, top of your lungs, ow, ow, when you're screaming, you know, something that implies that, that it hurts, that you, that this hurts. That's a verbal tap out. I remember this uh, one fight that I was refing where the guy was actually screaming, ow. He screamed it like two times. And I stopped the fight. That's a verbal tap out. He got mad at me because, no, I didn't tap. Dude, you, you went out. Like you were screaming at the top of your lungs. 
that's a verbal tap out. But going, you know, growling or making a making a sound of effort, you can hear the difference, right? So going like that, you shouldn't stop the fight. You shouldn't. You can see the expression of the face, you know. Yeah. Too. And if you stop the fight there, I believe that you, as a referee, you done, you took the wrong, uh, you did the wrong move, and you should be able to explain what happened. Mm. But like I said in the beginning, we're all human beings. We're, we can all make mistakes. However, when we make the mistakes, if you can't stand up for yourself and say, you know what, I fucked up. I understand that I fucked up. It's not going to happen again. I learned from my mistake. Or you go, no, I didn't fuck up. It was all right. I did the right call, and I'm standing 110% behind my call. That is what I believe differs from a good referee and somebody who want to act like a good referee. Mm -hmm. That's completely understandable. So an involuntary noise compared to a voluntary noise, like you said, like grunting mm -hmm. or something like that. That that that's that's completely understandable. I think anyone can get that. Um, so then we'll go to what referees would explain as the back of the head be then, because I've seen a lot of yeah. fighters recently from elbows and things like that, especially um, in the clinch or when someone's going for a takedown, that a few fighters would complain about behind the head elbows. What would you say is yeah. behind the head strikes? So behind the head strikes, if I can borrow. Matias head hair is on the top of his the crown of his head, two fingers going down from the top of his crown, going down his back of the head, his neck, and his uh, spine, all the way to the top of his bum. That is what it's called, what, uh, the back of his head. You're not allowed to punch there. You're not allowed to neither um, elbow there. Mm -hmm. However. If I punch him and it hits him right behind the ear or like some somewhere here, that's not behind the head, uh, back of the head. The back of the head is, like I said, top of the crown, two fingers going down in a straight line from the top of the crown and just going straight down. And as long as you hit the ear somewhere, it's not uh, the back of the head. And uh, it's the same thing with like, Let's say, for instance, I have him on the ground, I'm punching him, and while I punch him, he turns his head. Should that be, uh, should be, should that be accounted as back of the head? No, it shouldn't, because I already threw my punch. He moved his head. All right, so that punch isn't the back of the head. However, if I, if I continue to punch him, then it's back of the head. Mm -hmm. So I need to change the angle of my punch or my elbow, hit it from the other side. So instead of going with the right hand, I'll go with the left hand. So if you put yourself in that position, it's okay, you know. If you turn your head around like this, that's not the back of the head, you know. I guess that's the same with low blows kind of thing. So if someone throws a, a kick and then someone moves into the position that it does hit the groin, then it's a, it's not yeah. a, okay, it's a, maybe an illegal shot, but it wasn't intentional. So it wasn't uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Exactly. It's, it wasn't intentional. So I probably, well, I most likely won't take a point from you. Uh, I'll give the, the fighter five minutes 
at the most if he needs it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it happens again, you can't you can't tell me as a fighter, oh shit, I I, I hit him in in the nuts five times and go like, well, it was in- unintentionally. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Uh, so some you gotta you gotta like as a fighter, you gotta learn from the first unintentional low blow. Mm-hmm. Next time you do it, you get a hard warning. Third time you do it, I'm gonna take a point from you. So, yeah. And so we'll get onto the juicy bits as well, and that is the ever so popular uh, twelve to six elbows. What is your view on this? Should this be something that's in the rule book? And uh, what happens with these kind of things? I I honestly don't believe it should be in the rules, because I mean, like a knee to the head or a, 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 a what do you call it? Another spider can do heel, like a heel kick to the head. It can cause much more damage than a 12 to 6 elbow. So, and it's allowed to do, you know, from one to seven. And that's not too much difference, you know. Yeah. So it's it, it's an obsolete rule. I, I still don't understand why they have it. Uh, you can make as much, if not more, damage going in with a regular elbow or a knee to the head from a tie clinch. Or kick to the head or whatever. So you know, having that rule, I heard somewhere. I think it was from a Joe Rogan podcast or something like that. I heard that the reason why that rule is in the rule books is because somebody saw a karate guy uh, hitting some center blocks or something like that. Yeah, from I think I heard that too. Yeah, and they they made it out like, oh shit, this is probably the most dangerous strike. In the world, if you hit somebody like that, you're gonna crack their skull and their brain is gonna t- uh, pour out. So you know it's an obsolete rule. I, I believe that you should probably just try to take it away. But hey, I'm not the guy who makes the rules, so we gotta play play as the rules say. And uh, if we're talking about elbows as well, that there's a special relationship between Swedish MMA and elbows. Uh, could you explain what that is? I know that not all Swedish professional fights allow elbows. Yeah, if you go by Swedish pro rules, you're not allowed to do elbows at all. At all. If you go by international rules, unified rules, you're allowed to do it. Uh, I'm not sure why. Like, like I said, a knee can is much more devastating than an elbow. I, I understand that an elbow can cut you open and, you know, a lot of blood can pour out and it can look like a, uh, a bloodier fight or a more uh, painful fight than it actually is because your elbow is sharp. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, I'd rather be hit by an elbow than by a full-blown you know, a double Muay Thai clinch, a knee to the face. Yeah. You know, a knee is much worse than an elbow. But the elbow is uh, uh, illegal and the knee is allowed. So it's, um, I don't have any good, good answer for that, for why it is, but it's, yeah, it's kind of messed up. Hopefully they'll change it um, and they'll bring Swedish pro rules more in, in, Aligned with 
the unified rules, mm-hmm. you know, because our Swedish fighters, the pro fighters, they, if you're a pro fighter in Sweden, you need to have the same rules that the rest of the world. Because yeah. I believe that most of these guys and girls who are fighting as pro, they want to go out in the world. They don't want to stay in little, little Sweden for their entire career. They want to go out. Mm. And we in Sweden should have align our rules with the rest of the world yeah yeah i completely agree on that as well um but if we all go back to talking about uh, your roles and everything like that um where how do you feel like refereeing judging and mma officials can uh go a step forward now is it to have like you said meetings after fights to go over things or, or, or monthly meetings with, with the referees? Is it a union? What is it that we can make that can better MMA officials in general? Unfortunately, we don't have a union. So it's like uh, you fend for yourself a little bit. However, if you have a good team with you, good couple of guys and girls who, who are in this officiating together, we should always be in contact with, with each other. Uh, especially before an event and definitely after the event. Yeah, but uh, in the IMF, Mark Goddard has done like this, that uh, we have some meetings every now and then with all the judges and referees, and we he send out some uh, fights we have to watch. We, we got to set the score, then we have a discussion afterwards with uh, on the meeting, like... Uh, uh, on the internet, you know, so uh, that I think is really good because uh, you you get to uh, uh, hear from uh, lots of judges who, what they think about scoring and stuff like that. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the the drunken nights that we have sometimes, where we all watch yeah. a, an old fight yeah. and one that people would say is very close, a very close fight that goes to decision, yeah. and then we go around the room and ask everyone who do you think won, who yeah. do you think won, kind <laughs> of thing. So I, yeah, I completely understand yeah. that. Yeah, so I think IMF and Mark Goddard uh, do a really good job with that. Definitely, I yeah. agree. Do you think that's something that may be implemented into, uh, you know, SMAF or or the MMA Federation or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it should be. You know, like I said, unfortunately, we don't have a like a union thing where we all get together. So it's like, where we all work as officiators uh, in different ways, if it's refing or judging. Uh, however, we got our own teams, so to say. Mm. So me and Matthias, we, we talk a lot. We talk every week, you know, about different stuff. Uh, and it doesn't have to be about this or that event. It can be just it can be just to help each other refresh each other about. Uh, scoring or about refing or about rules or about what do you think about this fight or that fight you know we try to help each other lift each other up you know and we we can only do that by talking to each other not going out and do a like a, a public circus about whatever it might be you know that's not how we help each other mm. we help each other by trying to improve each other's games improve each other um, by doing that, we can elevate this Swedish MMA to the next level. 
we can never elevate it if we make it all about ourselves. Yeah, I completely understand that. Uh, Matthias, your version of that as well is the same? Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Uh, usually around this time, we ask the fighters uh, about any sponsors or family or friends that they want to give a shout out to. Uh, with you guys, I'll, I'll give you that opportunity too. And I'll also ask you for what, who, who is your inspiration in this sport or, or, or outside in the world? So the mic is yours now. Go ahead. Uh, my inspiration is my colleagues that I work with and uh, all the other refs and judge we have in uh, our IMF uh, family, we call it. And uh, I see Mark as a, Mark Gordon as my mentor, and I can uh, really rely on he, him with uh, I have some questions or something like that. So, uh, and uh, big shout out for IMF, Mark and Smuff. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so uh, whatever he said, I agree with that. Uh, uh, and I got to give a big shout out like this would never be able, I would never be able to do any of this if it wasn't for my wife, you know, my kids, yeah. my family supporting me. Uh, and also a lot of fighters, a lot of fans, a lot of good, awesome yeah. media people, yeah. you know, like you. Yeah. And, you Especially know, to the family, like you said, because they are we are going away for so long time. You know, we have children, and like you said, yeah. uh, our loved ones at home. So a big shout out to Susie, Christian, Matilda, and Bella. There you have it. Yeah, and I, and I say the Miss same you. thing. You know, it's uh, it, I, I wouldn't be able to do any of this if I if I didn't have my wife Paulina. Uh, my kids, uh, Maximilian and Julian, and my mom, my dad, you know, and I, I, I want to give a big shout out to him as well. Because, yeah. because, you know, like, seriously, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to be in this game alone. You know, it means a lot having a brother with me who, who understands me, you know, yeah. uh, we don't argue with each other. We discuss things together. We try, like I said, this entire time, we're trying to elevate each other help each other become the best versions of ourselves. So we've been through so much things together. Yeah. So, uh, really has been a really journey on this MMA. Definitely. And, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of people, you know, a lot of fighters approaching, a lot of fighters DMing, asking, actually asking me to ref their fights. You know, if I was that big of a shit referee that some people want to claim, the paint me as to be i wouldn't have so much support from people who actually matter mm. in this game you know so it, it's too the list is too long so i just say shout out to everybody and much appreciated and love to everybody who stands behind us and understand how hard this refing thing is and to our, our own clubs nexus stockholm the where i am training and that's them who thought me into this uh, ref thing, mm -hmm. you know. So a uh, big shout out to Nexus Stockholm and you. Actually, actually, you know what? I got one more person that I want to give a big shout out to. Sure. Christian Ringblom. 
Chris Sterling Bloom, he's the guy who actually gave me my first shot in the beginning. Yeah. Like, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Much love to you, Chris Sterling. Much love, Chris Sterling. Yeah, and a speedy recovery. I saw that he also got into a bit of trouble. But yeah. We want to give a big shout out to the entire Brave family, but especially to Deck Larkin, who gave us the opportunity to be a part of this. And also to our brothers in arms, Derek Hickey and Hadi Muhammad Ali. Boom. I'll also jump on the thank thank you wagon and, and thank you two guys for for keeping the fighters safe and 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 doing your job in the octagon. I know it, or cage octagon wherever it is. I, I know it's a super hard job. I know you need tough skin sometimes. So I, I really want to thank you guys for for doing it and and not giving up on the sport. Thank you, bro. Thank you, bro. Thank you. We really appreciate yeah. having having uh, having us. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And uh, yeah, good luck with Brave and everything. Uh, Braves are still happening this week. You see, you're representing it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and I'll, I'll leave your Instagrams below and everything. And I'll also put something down there for the SMAF website, like you said, so we can yeah. teach everyone awesome, the rules and, awesome. and get it done. All right. Thanks for your time. Awesome, man.